Welcome to the 1717 Podcast, a ministry of Roseville Baptist Church with Pastor Jackie Hill. There is no such thing as your truth and my truth. There is only truth and untruth. And Pastor Derek Ambrose. We have to stop searching for truth in our culture when God's already given us the answer. Jackie and Derek answer important questions with the truth of God's Word. In John 17, 17, Jesus prayed, Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Here's your host, Derek Ambrosen. Hello, everyone, and welcome in episode 128 of the 1717 Podcast. I'm Pastor Derek Ambrosen, and joined by Pastor Jackie Hill. Jackie, how you doing today, man? Doing good. Uh, a little bit nervous about going to physical therapy. I, not because, you know, I'm afraid I'm going to injure myself, although maybe... I just don't like physical therapy. It's like torture. Mm. I I don't know if that makes me weak or whatever, but it's like they they pick the part of your body that's hurt and they're like, let's move this around yeah. in ways that you don't want to because it hurts. And you're like, okay, no, thank you. So yeah, I, I'm doing good, but uh, got that physical therapy coming. So I'm a little bit, a little bit, you know, I don't know. I don't know, apprehensive, I guess. But other than that, uh, doing well, uh, glad to be uh, awake and alive and living this day for Jesus and excited to be in here in this room with you doing this podcast today. How are you doing, brother? Yeah, good. I, I'm thankful that I have so far in my life avoided any sort of physical therapy. Um, from the <laughs> you sake have no of, idea. Yeah, yeah. I have not had the, I just get my head knocked around a bunch. I, I don't hurt other parts of my body, but we'll see if I can remember anything by the time I'm your age, um, which makes you sound really old. Um, you're only like 14 years older than me, but with all the concussions I've had, we'll see if I'm, if I'm there. But uh yeah, anyways, no, that we're uh things things are going well. Crazy that we're already almost at the end of of July and things are wrapping up here as we get ready for vacation Bible school next week yep. and and yep. looking forward to running the games for that and and having fun with the kids. Zoe gets to actually be in there. Kyla will be there too, more by necessity, uh, because she'll be coming with me than being of the the right age, but uh it, it should be fun uh, nonetheless. I'm sure you're your kids will be there. I know Noah's helping out. So yep, Noah's going to help, and, and my girls are going to be. In fact, uh, we were think, trying to figure out when we're going to go on vacation next, and we're going to do it the following week so, because of VBS. And the kid, we, we we wouldn't have not gone to VBS, you know, yep. uh, because of vacation. We would have made that change anyway. But what I really liked about it was the fact that Micaiah and Leah were insistent, like, "Oh no, we can't go camping there. That's VBS." So that mm-hmm. was that makes that makes a dad's heart. Uh, glad. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Jack, let's get into things today. We have a, a question from a listener from a um, good friend of the show, Noah. He's actually uh, one of the guys that uh, one of my youth volunteers helps out in the youth group. He's going to be teaching for me a couple times this next month. And Noah asked a question, and, and he asked it this way. He said, in reference to Galatians 5.21, which I'll read that quick so that we, we know what's happening, but Galatians 5.19-21 says this, Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immor- immorality, impurity. There's kind of a long list. And it says, Then of these things which I forewarn you, just if I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So he's really asking about that second part where it's saying, anybody who practices this long list of sins will not inherit the kingdom of God. So he says, in reference to that verse, is it possible to enter heaven without, quote, inheriting the kingdom of God, end quote? Essentially, is inheriting the kingdom equivalent to salvation? Or would, for example, a Christian man who cheats on his wife, which would be sexual morality included in that list in Galatians, go to heaven because he's saved by grace, but not inherit the kingdom because of his actions? Hmm. 
So thank you for the question, Noah. And we're trying to figure out exactly how we wanted to go about answering this. And, and as we look at the question, I think one of the foundational pieces of this is defining what exactly is the kingdom of God. Yeah. Um, and so that's really the approach that we're going to take. And I think that as we go through and define biblically what the kingdom of God is, which, by the way, is uh, brought up a lot of different times and to d- kind of defined almost different ways in, at times, but to look at what exactly the kingdom of God means in this Galatians verse. And I think that our hope is that that would pretty much answer this question uh, that, that Noah has. So yeah. we're, we're going to take it from that perspective and uh, and see where we end up. Yeah. So what does the Bible say about it exactly? Well, the kingdom of God is mentioned or referenced a few hundred times in the scripture. Sometimes it is referenced just when God is being addressed as king. Maybe it's his throne that's mentioned, or even uh, some, a lot of times in the Psalms, it says the scepter uh, of, of God. And, and so all that's referencing the kingdom. And that's usually the way that it comes across in the in the Old Testament. So like the phrase kingdom of God really isn't in the Old Testament. Um, but but the a kingdom of a kingdom, not something called the kingdom of God, but they would say like his kingdom, right? Um, that sort of thing, or his throne is mentioned. So I'll give you some examples. First Chronicles 17, verse 13. Speaking of this is God speaking to David about Solomon, but we also know this is a prophecy about Jesus as well. And so it says, I will be his father and he shall be my son and I will not take my loving kindness away from him as I took it from him who was before you. But I will settle him in my house and in my kingdom forever and his throne shall be established forever. So you see the word kingdom there and throne kind of synonymously. And then in Psalm 45, verse five, David uh, writes, your throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of unrighteousness a, a scepter of uprightness, sorry, a scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. So here you see throne and scepter and kingdom all used synonymously. And then in Psalm 47, verse eight, it says, God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. So you see God reigning as king and then connected to him being on the throne. That's Psalm 47, verse eight. That's just three examples. There are, there are literally hundreds in the Old Testament that reference uh, the kingdom of God in that way as him being on the throne, him being the king, mm-hmm. him reigning, him ruling, uh, him having a scepter or whatever yeah. you, might, you might see and that fits that, that, connect, that category. Yeah, and then if you, you jump forward to the New Testament, you have the, the phrase specifically kingdom of God itself appears a hundred times. So that actual phrase, you said the Old Testament's a little bit more, you know, kind of sort of using that, but not exactly, yeah. but the New Testament specifically says that. So one example, uh, Matthew nineteen twenty four, Jesus says, again, I say to you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And so uh, it seems, you know, in that context, the kingdom of God is a place, right? Going, entering into this uh, place. And in Matthew 5, 3, it says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so the kingdom of heaven in Matthew is, is the same thing as the kingdom of God in the rest of the New Testament. Matthew just uses a little bit different descriptor than the rest of the New right. Testament authors do. And so um, Noah in his question also used those terms synonymously, which which is accurate. And so kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven same thing. Uh, w- would be the same thing. Yeah. Yep. Other examples that we can see in the New Testament. So I want to give you like one more in each of the gospels and then just one in, in the book of Acts. But uh, Mark 15, 43, you had Joseph Arimathea, and it says that he himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. Luke 4, 43 
Uh, Jesus tells the people that he must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also because he was sent for that purpose. So he's saying, I got to go around and keep preaching the kingdom of God. So here the kingdom of God is something Jesus was preaching. Yep. Uh, in John three, verse three, Nicodemus, when we have Nick at night and he comes there to ask mm-hmm. Jesus questions about salvation, Jesus says to him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So there you see it connected um, to what he was talking to Nicodemus about. And then in Acts 19, verse eight, the apostle Paul, when he was um, doing apologetics and he was uh, debating with people and sharing the gospel and trying to reason with them. It tells us that he would enter the synagogue and speak out boldly for three months. And there it says he was reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. So this is something Paul was preaching, wanting the people who hear it to accept it, trust it, believe in it by faith. So now to the question, what is the kingdom of God, right? Because <laughs> we just read those examples. And if you listen closely enough, you could maybe try to make arguments or guesses that, that all would seem a little bit different, at least in yep. the way that they were mentioned. And so what is it? And I think looking in Psalm 103, 19, it says this, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Again, this doesn't technically say kingdom of God, but it's talking about the Lord and his kingdom, which would be the, the same the kingdom thing, of God, yeah. right? And so in this context with... Uh, the psalm, this is really just talking about like God's sovereignty, right? His kingdom rules over all, which right. would be all, you know, who's established his throne in the heavens. That would be the heavens. It would be the earth. It would be, you know, as the Bible says, under the earth or in the yep. sea, you know, the, it, it kind of uses that verbiage a lot. And so this is more about God's sovereignty over all things, his kingdom being his sovereign rule and reign over everything. Right. Right. Which is pretty all encompassing about his power. Right. Yeah. Speaking to him being the Lord. That's why we reference him that way. And so, yes, the, absolutely. And, that, and, and Psalm 103 is just one example. There are many examples where the kingdom of God is being referred to as the sovereignty, rule, and reign of God over all things. Right. So, that in one aspect is the kingdom of God. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, it's something Jesus tells us we should pray for in the Lord's Prayer. He says, we should pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So here it's kind of like, it's, it's connected, I think, to the sovereignty of God still. And it's really like the will of God being done in people's lives mm-hmm. and in the world. God's kingdom is is his will, his purposes being done. Uh, the song Build Your Kingdom Here speaks to that. I really I love that song. It's one of my favorite songs, one of my favorite worship songs. Yeah, Ren Collective. Yeah, by Ren Collective. And the the lyrics of it, I think, sh- demonstrate this definition we're talking about that we see in Psalm 103. And then again, in the Lord's Prayer, where he's saying, I want your purpose to be done, Lord. Um, so the, the, just point out a couple of the lyrics here. It says, build your kingdom here. And then right after that, he says, show your mighty hand. It's like the sovereignty of God, the power of God. He goes on in the song, it says, you know, when, when this nation back, change the atmosphere, build your kingdom here, we pray. So it's something they're praying for, like in the Lord's Prayer. So what is he praying for? Well, the next line of the song says, come set your rule and reign in our hearts, mm-hmm. right? So it goes back to the sovereignty of God, us giving control of our lives over to God. So here there's another aspect of the kingdom. It's not just God's sovereign rule and reign in general over all the earth and God's purposes being done in the earth, but also individuals given control of their lives over to God. Yeah. Right. Like toward the end of that, that, uh, that first verse, it talks about the Holy spirit invading us and uh, we need his power uh, in us. So it's, it's that aspect. And now another aspect of the kingdom of God is this referencing um, uh, something that's not here. Right. Yep. So, so in, when Jesus's own trial before Pilate, 
And, and Pilate asks him, you know, are you the king of the Jews? All this kind of stuff. Jesus answers, right? And he says uh, in, in ch- chapter 18, verses 35 and 36, he says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom was of this world, my servants would have been fighting that it might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. And they're saying, okay, they, these almost sound contradictory, mm-hmm. right? Because we're, we're praying that, that God's kingdom will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus is like, well, my kingdom is not of this world. Mm-hmm. So what, what in the world you know, could that mean? And we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. But as you can see, as we go through some of this, it's almost like at times the kingdom of God sounds one way. And then you read it and it's like, well, that seems to contradict that. Yep. So how, how can the kingdom of God be this when it says that? Yeah, which which goes all the way back to even some of Noah's question. How can, exactly. can you save by grace but not inherit the kingdom? And how does that, you know, where, it, what exactly does that Yeah, and like? I think that's why Noah is asking the question. I think a lot of people maybe have a similar kind of question in their mind. Like, really, what is the kingdom of God yeah. then? Yeah. Uh, Mark ten fifteen 15 uh, looks at the kingdom of God a little differently where it says this, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. Right, and so even in that, we kind of get this this humility and joy that, that little children have. But what is the kingdom of God in that case? Uh, I, we would argue that that's more talking salvation, right? Right, because something, uh, something you enter into. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, exactly. So you enter <laughs> into uh, salvation. Right? And then John three five. Similarly, Jesus answered, "Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God." So there we go again with that entering in. And so this is more uh, of a, a reference of salvation, right? As we know that we're being saved from our sins, so that we can, you know, reign, rule, reign with with God someday, right, in His kingdom, which is in this context pointing to heaven, right? Being saved from this earth, saved from our sins for heaven. So this entering into the kingdom of God that is more uh, salvific in in this case. So there's even another uh, way that it's it's kind of shown itself in scripture. Yeah, so it's just about the rule and reign of God, this kingdom of God, the purposes of God. <laughs> uh, not being of this earth, but also being salvation of people in this earth. Like all those yep. are accurate descriptions of the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus used parables to try to help people understand the kingdom of God, particularly his disciples. And uh, in Luke 13, 18 through 21, Jesus says, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? He compares it to a mustard seed there. who talks about it growing, you know, being small, but yet growing. He then again in verse 20 says, what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven, which a woman took and hid until it was all leaven. So it's something that, that grows and spreads as well. Mm-hmm. Right, so it's almost like in in that parable, Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is the church or the 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 yeah. the, the, the the body of believers of God. Starts that's small, his kingdom, but it will, but, but it, it grows. Will blow yep. Up. yep, or it could be the gospel being itself, like the gospel, because the gospel is referred to as a seed mm-hmm. being planted and yep. then grows. Right in Matthew uh, chapter thirteen. Jesus does a whole series of parables all about what Matthew calls the kingdom of heaven. And we already said that this is synonymous with the kingdom of God. It's the same thing. And he does the mustard seed one in verse 31. We just looked at. And then uh, and right after that, the next parable is the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. Again, these are the ones that Luke records for us. But then Jesus explains the parable of the tares of the field. And he he talks about the ones about the tares because you have the wheat and the tares, yep. and they they the disciples come and say, Jesus, explain that to us. What does that mean? And Jesus tells them at the end of his explanation that the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of the Father. 
So what he's talking about is that when we get to heaven, the tares are not going to be there because they were false believers. They weren't really believers. And he's saying that the the good wheat, the 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 good grain, they're going to shine in the kingdom of heaven, mm-hmm. right? So so he's talking about it that way that it's a place where they're going to be. Um, then he says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. So someone goes and finds it and has great joy over it. So it's something you discover or find or that you're led to, and it it impacts your life in an amazing way. Mm-hmm. Maybe this huge blessing or, or whatever it might be. Uh, of God. Then, then he says the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And when he finds the one of great value, he sells everything he has and, and buys it. So this looks like it's speaking to salvation, right? You're and you're committing your whole life to Christ. Yeah. So the kingdom of heaven is like that. He says that the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet cast into the sea. And the idea of that parable is that you throw this net out there and then all kinds of fish are gathered in. Mm-hmm. So here he's talking again about the large number of believers and they're coming from every tribe, tongue and nation. And so it's very diverse, a very unique group of people. They're all uh, brought in and then some of them are bad fish and they're tossed away. So they don't get to go into the kingdom of heaven. They don't get to inherit it if you will. And what was interesting in that parable, he then says, so it will be at the end of the age, you know? Mm. Um, And then, and then lastly, he gets to the end of this whole series, and I think it's like verse 52 maybe in Matthew 13, and he says, every scribe who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like a head of a household who brings out his treasure of things new and old. So in other words, what he's saying is all my disciples, they're, 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 fr- they're in the kingdom of heaven, and they're preaching the good news, mm. right? The, these wonderful treasures they're sharing. He's saying that's also like the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. So, so, so in this series of parables, Jesus describes the kingdom of heaven many different ways. Yeah. Yeah. You get, you can see in there, right? To kind of recap those, that the kingdom of God is deemed invaluable, like hidden treasure, right? Yeah. And, and a lot, you know, this this special pearl where someone's willing to give up everything for that. So we see the salvation side of things. The discovery of it, though, is not something that all people will see, right? right. Or, or people will claim to, but not. You know, you think of Jesus saying, Lord, Lord, you know, when people are like, Lord, Lord, and he's like, I never knew you, right? Yep. But when it is found, it's the only thing that matters uh, for for believers, that salvation, right, uh, of the kingdom of God. So we see in the parable of things like the tares and the dragnet that, again, not all will inherit this yeah. kingdom, and they won't see it as valuable and and will reject it. So there's there's a lot in there. I mean, we've, I'm sure you've taught lesson series, and I've taught lesson <laughs> series on the parables, right? Yep. You split them up because there's... a there's a lot of different things in there, but Jesus uses that same terminology, which is really interesting about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. So it's like, are these all different aspects of the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God, or are they different definitions, working definitions at different times? Is it, you know, mm-hmm. w- what is it? Or is it both? Yeah. Cause like in Matthew 25, 34, it says this, then the King will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And this mm-hmm. is where he's talking about those on the right and the left, and then the left that he, he casts out. And so this, this kingdom, right? Inherit the kingdom is more like a, a heaven, heavenly Literally, perspective, yeah. right? This is those who will go to heaven and those who uh, will not go to heaven that he'll separate. Luke this, 23 is similar in verse 42 and 43 says, and he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And he said to him, this is the thief on the cross. Truly, I say to you today, you shall be with me in paradise. Yep. And so paradise speaking to heaven there. Right. And this, this thief on the cross saying, when you come to your kingdom, remember me as even yeah. he on the cross uh, understands to, to some extent that Jesus has a kingdom, that he is in fact King. And, and so it's that faith that ends up saving him on, 
on his deathbed, right, as he's about to go. And so Jesus, in those situations, that kingdom is being talked about as heaven, the, the next life. And we, we know that especially from the, the thief on the cross, like the dude's about to die, right? right. There, there's no like, hey, as I'm still here, I want to be in your kingdom. This is right. uh, whatever happens after this, remember me. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. In both those passages you mentioned, it's abundantly clear that it's a place mm-hmm. here. It's referenced as a place yep. that they go after death. Yeah. And it's a good place. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So it's obviously heaven. And then even 1 Corinthians 15, 47 to 52, uh, kind of goes in the, this same vein with heaven, but it also transitions a little bit to talk about uh, Jesus' second coming. Right. So in the in the beginning of of those verses, it really is talking about um, it's comparing a man that is from the earth or, or from dust and the man that's from heaven and kind of giving us this picture of um, what it means to be like this, these new bodies, right? Uh, an image that is earthly versus the image of us that is heavenly. And we know we'll get new bodies when we, we go to heaven. And so he's, he's really making this distinction. And then he says, now I say this brethren that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. So Paul's talking this transition for uh, humanity that believes in Jesus from when we go from this perishable state, what we are right now, how we live, to imperishable. And he points to that and saying, hey, this is a mystery. But here's how it's going to look to an extent. This is at the last trumpet, at the end, this judgment day coming, then we will transition from that earthly to heavenly um, being. And so you get this, right, people being brought up to go to heaven, right? So that's the the kingdom of God. But also this transition to talk about this is with the kingdom of God then coming, right, to earth, not just praying for it, but actually now this is actually happening and people are being changed in a, in a radical way to be what we're promised to be. Yeah. I mean, and even there, one of the things that Paul said, right, it's that the, the, the perishable cannot, they yeah. can't. So it's, it's like the kingdom of heaven isn't a physical thing either. Mm-hmm. It's a spiritual yeah, yeah, thing. And that, yep. and that not only is it not a physical thing, it is um, something that isn't even possible to have here on earth. And, and, that doesn't seem to fit with all the other ways we've been seeing it described in, in some of these things. So I don't think Paul is contradicting that because the Bible doesn't contradict. I think he's using the kingdom of heaven here in a different way or the kingdom of God here in a different way to describe something that we need to understand. Mm-hmm. And that's, I believe the second coming, um, you know, where we're going to be transferring. He's talking about the last trumpet. I mean, Daniel speaks of this in, in Daniel 7, 13 through 14, when he's uh, seeing these night visions, right? And he's getting to really look at the same kind of things the, the apostle John looked at in Revelation. And he said that in his night visions, Daniel 7, 13 through 14, that the clouds of, up in the clouds of heaven, he saw one like the son of man who was coming. And we know that's Jesus, right? And he says to him was given dominion, uh, glory, and a kingdom, Right. Um, and so then it says that his dominion is an everlasting dominion, which will not pass away. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. I mean, here he's talking about the second coming of Christ and the son of man. And he's referencing it as the kingdom of God that is coming and it won't perish or pass away. So, so this is referencing the second coming. You see the same thing in Revelation 12, verse 10. When the apostle John then says, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of Christ have come, right? So we see that 
that God is still ruling right now. He's still on the throne. We saw that in the, in the Psalm 103, right? So his kingdom is still existing now, but there's also the sense in where the kingdom of God will be coming eventually. Mm-hmm. And so this is a speaking of the second coming. So the kingdom of God, as we look at this, is defined in many different ways, right? It can mean salvation. Yep. It can mean God's sovereignty. It can mean God's rule and reign in our lives. It can mean uh, God's purposes for us as Christians. It could refer to the whole of uh, the saints, all of the people who believe in Christ. Mm -hmm. It refers specifically to heaven at times. And it refers here to the second coming. Yeah. Right? It depending upon context. It could be any of those things, or it may be all of those things at once being referenced. We don't really know except on the context, and I think Noah's question is asking about it in a specific context, yeah. and so I think we, we probably ought to try to answer that. Yeah, and so with, with his in Galatians 5, right, where it says anyone who practices, practices these sins will not inherit the kingdom of God, so I think then the question is, can you lose your inheritance in the kingdom of God? We see in like Matthew 21, 42 to 44, it says, Jesus said to them, did you never read in the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing the fruit of it. And he who falls on the stone will be broken to pieces, but on whomever it falls, it will scatter him like dust. And so here we get Jesus saying that people can lose the kingdom of God or will be taken from you. And so like it, it sounds... You know, like, well, okay, you can you can lose this inheritance, or it's almost this assumption that people have it before, maybe in a similar way that this is being used in that Galatians five, right? So we can read that and be like, okay, so can if this is about salvation, do I can I lose my salvation? Can I lose this inheritance? Right? That I, I think it kind of brings up that that question that Noah's asking. Yeah, and again, context is so important, right? So I think the context of what Jesus is saying there in Matthew twenty one, Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders, Mm -hmm. the Jews. And the kingdom of God is what has been promised to them as long as they follow the covenant that that God made with them, right? And so when he's saying that the kingdom of God is going to be taken away from you and given to a people producing fruit of it, what he's saying is these promises that I made to Israel, um, these promises that I made to my people, they're only found in me. That's where you find, that's where you, that's where you inherit them. And because you have rejected me, the chief cornerstone, mm-hmm. you're not going to get the kingdom. Yep. So it's not that they, they had it and then it was taken away. Yep. It was that it is promised to you if you receive the cornerstone, like if you receive the Messiah, but because you've rejected him, it's being quote taken away. Yep. Um, but you're now, you're not going to receive it because you did not, um, Trust in the one who is coming with the promises. Yep. And then those who will, it says, and then given to a people, right? Producing the fruit of it. So those who do believe in right. Christ, the cornerstone, exactly. then will be given the kingdom of that, God. Yeah. And so that's what that's referring to. And and so um, Ephesians 5, 5, I think, gets to the same thing where Paul says, this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an adulterer has an inheritance in the kingdom of God, of Christ and God, right? Mm-hmm. So, in other words, if you're not a, if you're not a believer, because believers aren't characterized that way, yep. if you're an unbeliever, you don't have an inheritance in the kingdom of God. The only people that have an inheritance in the kingdom of God are those who are true believers. Mm-hmm. And so, here, I think here and what Jesus was referring to there, 
the kingdom of God is being spoken of as salvation, yep. as heaven, right? That Those things. And, and the only way that you're going to get those is you have to have faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 11 does the same kind of thing that the Galatians passage did that, that Noah was asking about, Galatians 5, uh, verse 21, where it says, do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And then he gives that list again fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals. He goes through all these things, and he says, those people will not inherit the kingdom of God, right? Again, Christians don't describe themselves by their sins. So mm-hmm. these people who not, do not have faith in Christ. Then Paul says in verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 6, such were some of you, right? So you used to be that, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. So upon salvation, they will now inherit the kingdom of God because that's not what they are anymore. They've been, uh-huh. they've been changed. And so I think that Galatians 5 passage is Paul's talking about salvation there just as Paul is here again in 1 Corinthians 6. Yeah, and, and just to continue on with it, right, with what makes people righteous, Right, because it says in that one, you know, know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of Correct. God. So then the assumption would be the righteous will do that. But if we know the Bible says, you know, none are righteous, not even one, how, how do we how are we deemed righteous? And Second Corinthians five twenty one tells us, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In other words, because of Jesus being perfect, taking our sin upon him, even though he was not sinful at all. It's that sacrifice, right, that Scripture tells us we have become righteous. Believers, those who believe in him, have become righteous before God. And so we are seen that way. So we aren't, in that First Corinthians um, passage that Jackie just read, right, we are not labeled as unrighteous. Right. Even though we, we still sin, we're not perfect, uh, we are not viewed that way by God because of what Jesus did. Right. God sees Jesus yep. instead of us. And Philippians 3, 9 similar, uh, similarly says, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, right? We can't have that from the law because nobody's perfect, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So how's our righteousness seen before God? It's depending on our faith and the, fa- the, the fact that we have faith that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is Lord, that he died for our sins. And that is what saves us. That is what separates us, right? So from the, some of you, right? But you were washed, sanctified. We were unrighteous, but now called righteous. And so we no longer identify with the, the unrighteousness of all of those sins in that list. Because we are not, uh, you know, we're not called a, a thieving Christian or a fornicating Christian, right? We are, we are Christians and that's what we are defined by. And then because of a, a change of heart, we ought not live that way. Because an evidence of a changed heart would be, good fruit and actions, right? To, to follow Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I think it's important to remember, we cannot lose our salvation. And, and yep. specifically, I think Noah's question is getting at that because he's referencing a passage that talks about, will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's talking about salvation and it's talking about heaven. And we can't lose that. If we've trusted in Christ, it's ours forever. I mean, John 10, 28 and 29, Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of his, the Father's hand. So uh, it's eternal life. It's forever. It can't end. And so um, we we know this. Salvation is forever. We did an, a podcast episode on episode 17, Can You Lose Your Salvation? Uh, we talk more about it in detail, so we're not going to get into that a whole lot here. Um, now, what we can lose is rewards. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about that next week. I mean, treasures in heaven, the, the treasures in heaven are not uh, the kingdom of God, right? 
they're in the kingdom of God, but they're not the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. But those things can be lost. They can be uh, reward. We can get rewards. But believers are known by their works. And, and, and the, the evidence of a changed heart is what we're looking for. It doesn't save us, but it, it's evidence that we've been transformed by Jesus. John, or 1 John 2, 3 through 4. And by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. And whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. And I think really what we're showing there about not inheriting the kingdom of God is they don't really have the truth in them. Mm-hmm. The reason they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God is they've not trusted in Christ Jesus. But if we've trusted in Christ Jesus, then we will inherit the kingdom of God. We have salvation and we will be in heaven with him one day. Mm-hmm. And that is a that is a guarantee from the word of God. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. So to summarize, the kingdom of God is referenced many times in Scripture and has different meanings in different contexts. In the case of the question asked by Noah, the kingdom of God is referring to salvation and eternal life in heaven. In this case, the two terms are synonymous. When we are made new in Christ after belief, paired with ongoing faith that he is who he says he is, nothing can separate us from eternity with Christ. When it comes to sin, we still all have a sinful nature that leads us astray, but the grace of Jesus covers those sins and we are still deemed righteous. If you are living in unrepentant, deliberate sin today, it may be that you've never actually had a spiritual heart transplant. If that is you, we pray today would be the day that you surrender your life to Jesus, confessing him as Lord and believing that God raised him from the dead so that you too can join the family of God and look forward to spending eternity in his kingdom. That concludes today's show. Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate your support. God bless you all, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the 1717 Podcast. If you have any questions, please connect with us on Twitter or email us at 1717pod at gmail.com. Thank you.